Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome back. Always a delight to have with us our good friend Todd Friel. He is the host of Wretched TV, and you can go to wretched.org. That's his website. Uh, he produces all kinds of great programs. His program, Wretched uh, TV, is seen here along with the other programs that he produced, Road Trip to Truth, and uh, we, uh, the uh, counseling show as well. He's got a lot going on. So, by the way, uh, Todd, I told the staff when we announced today that you were going to be on. You know what they started to do? Oh, can't hear you. Hold on. They Laughed? There, huh? They laughed. Well, yeah, but after that, they ran. No, they started moving everything out of the studio. They thought you're going to be in here, and they know that you can't stand still, and you'd be moving all over the place. Well, so they I, moved the what? table out. They moved the lights out. They moved the cameras back. <laughs> the medication is helping. I'm calmer today. Could you know what? I'll be honest with you, Perry. <laughs> Could we make this snappy? I've got things to do. I'm looking at buying a brand new yacht. I'm taking that luxury vacation in Europe for several weeks. And that Rolex watch, it's calling out to me. And you say, Friel, can you afford those luxuries? No, I can't. But that doesn't stop the federal government. So I'm thinking what's good for them must be good for me, too. So if we could make this snappy, I got things to buy. Do you? Uh, oh, yeah. Are they cheaper by the dozen? Can you get me one? <laughs> this is why I think we all long for individuals who actually have a biblical worldview to be in elected office. This whole debt debate, I get it, the program. All, but how do you how do you chart these waters of debt and debt ceilings and paying back and expenses that you don't have the money for? You need a biblical worldview to rein in the spending and to be judicious and to stay out of debt. How do I know? Because the Proverbs tell me so. And when you got a bunch of people that are elected that don't have a fiscal, a biblical fiscal worldview, well, you got yourself a ever-rising debt ceiling. Yeah, I uh, I scratched my head over this whole debt thing. I, you know, it's so interesting to me. There isn't a business or a ministry out there that would run uh, their operation the way the federal no. government runs theirs. And you wonder, you know, there's only two things that keep you in business. You either raise your prices or you get more customers. You've got, to, you've got to generate more revenue. I get it. But the government's role, according to the Bible, is exceedingly limited. Now, if we wanted to look for New Testament verses that give instruction, what should a secular government look like? You'd have to go to 1 Peter 2, Romans 13. It is their job to bear the sword and to promote good so that we can live peaceably, so that we can share the gospel, people can get saved. That's, that's really the authority that God has given to the government. It is the authority of the sword. Now, I do think you could make the argument based on the Old Testament government of Israel that it isn't wrong for a government to have programs that do indeed take care of genuinely poor people. We had the gleaning program in the Old Testament. But if you read through the Bible, you see a very, very limited role for government. And these days, they're involved in everything where, frankly, they have no business. But here's the good news, Perry. This segues us perfectly into a conversation that is currently being had on the Internet, and it will soon be happening in your church. And that is, 
what is the attitude of the Christian, specifically the role of the Christian church, regarding an ever-expanding government that is trying to encroach into the jurisdictional authority of the church? All of a sudden, for the first time now in a bit, we are having to really think through a biblical understanding of the relationship between church and state. You are welcome for me providing for your segue. <laughs> well, that brings up the... I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm just here to help, Harry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do a good job of that. You do. <laughs> okay. Well, look, that is... Uh, let, let me throw the softball back to you. So what is Christian nationalism? <laughs> you want to fight? You want to fight? You bring up the words Christian nationalism and you're in for one. What is Christian nationalism? And seriously, the answer is it depends on who you ask. But Perry, it would be like me saying, what's a Presbyterian? Well, what type are you talking about? There is a range of Christian nationalists. And here's... Here's where it gets tricky. We all, to some degree, have some of the ideas that can be defined underneath the umbrella of Christian nationalism. But I I would suggest this. Defining it is crucial. Understanding what everybody means by this word and that phrase is super crucial. But I got to tell you, I'm not sure it's even a good idea for Christians to try to redeem the word Christian nationalism, because in my estimation, there there can be some of the principles in there that are good, that are biblical, but by trying to use a word that the, the world immediately thinks is very negative and hostile, frankly, I, I don't think it's a good idea for anybody to call themselves a Christian nationalist. It, it's like saying, I, I'm, I'm pro-choice. Well, no, it doesn't mean that you can abort babies. What I mean by that is a woman should choose life. And you'd say, yeah, well, that's not how the world understands the word. So you probably better ditch your lingo. And I think we would do well to do that with Christian nationalism. Having said that, to answer your question, Christian nationalism, depending on who you ask, it can be anything from, I think it's good to sing the national anthem and put your heart on your chest and say the Pledge of Allegiance under God. I think it's good to love our country and to be patriotic, rightly defined. Some people would say that's Christian nationalism. And quite honestly, all of that I personally would agree with. But there is a degree and a spectrum of Christian nationalists that go all the way over to the side of the church and state should be mixed and blended to a degree that we actually have in government leading our nation a Christian prince who not only bears the sword, but also holds the keys to the kingdom and can call ecumenical councils to deal with doctrines of theology and what is heresy and implement blasphemy laws. In other words, there are some who would say that the magistrate, the civil magistrate, can not only enforce the second table of the Ten Commandments, but also the first table about loving God and idolatry and blasphemy, those people would say that already bloody revolution, and I'm actually quoting a source, a bloody revolution is indeed warranted and that it is the Christian's right and duty to resist the tyrants, rebel if we must, in order to have Christian kingdom ideas running our government. That is the spectrum of Christian nationalism. And we would do well right now, Perry, for all of us to have 
humble, loving conversation to sort it out. Because right now, the temperature on this subject is getting say, hot. And there, that seems kind of circular. Uh, all right, you make some very strong points. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, did you watch the coronation? I watched some of it. Okay. So wasn't that in some ways what do I have time. going through my system that there. what could that be alright let me take a break you fix it we'll be right back we'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds in the meantime we want to let you know that you can watch this interview plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website thedove.us and while you're there sign up for our free daily devotional the word for you today three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back, and uh, always a delight to have with us Todd Friel, host of Wretched TV, seen right here on the Dove Television Network, and uh, he got so wound up that his own computer was arguing with him. I don't know what that... That was the prince and the power of the airwaves. That, That's what that was. But it was your voice. I, I Actually, I heard it was Steve Lawson oh, preaching. Okay. Oh, I don't well. know what that was. All right, we're talking about Christian nationalism. Let me ask you this, what little time we have left here. I watched the coronation. I was kind of fascinated by it. But it, given what we're talking about here, wasn't it kind of foundationally... The Anglican Church's Christian foundation or Christian nationalism over the UK. Yeah, no, that's this is why we need to have this conversation humbly and lovingly. There is a long Protestant history regarding the relationship between church and state. And we need to remember we're all baked into our own era. If you go back to when the Anglican Communion started, we're talking about mid, give or take, uh, 15th century. Henry, uh, 16th century, Henry VIII decided the Anglican Church is going to be the Church of England. And guess who is going to be the head of it? The king. And so yeah. we see the divine right of kings and you see the king, civil magistrate, also over the church. Our founding fathers and a lot of dissenters who ran away from England because they were being persecuted by the Anglican Church and the Roman Catholic Church, because both the Catholics and the Anglicans wanted to be the state religion, we decided let's have a separation here where there is not a state-mandated church. And they knew that that could be so problematic because they saw the bloody religious wars trying to get into power. So they decided separate it. And if we go back to an extreme form of Christian nationalism, we're looking to return to the same problems that we escaped from. Because, you know, at the end, I think what they tried to do to redeem themselves, and, I, and I'm, I'm not criticizing, I'm just really curious about how all this came about. Right at the end, they said he was king of all the face, plural. Yeah, you know, the, the ecumenical aspect of it aside, it was your observation is exactly right. It was a religious ceremony for the coronation of a king. Whoa. Furthermore, he was asked, will you uphold God's laws? Protestant Reformed theology, and his answer, of course, was, I swear to do so. So you've got the king who is in some degree, whether you believe it's much or not is irrelevant, but you've got the king, at least officially, 
who is involved in the issues of the kingdom of the keys. In other words, the church. So you've got these two jurisdictions. And in England, there is a great overlapping. In America, there was a separation. You have some good brothers and sisters in America now saying, no, we actually need to go back to this. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think you find anything like it in the New Testament. I think you have to read an awful lot of the Puritans who wrote a lot about church and state relationships because they were in a church-state relationship. Right. But that's not where we want to get our opinion on this. We must go to the Bible and debate what does the Bible say about the relationship of church and state. Okay, so that brings us up to today. And maybe in our attempt to be loving and kind and turn the other cheek, we've allowed ourselves to be identified that we're trying to Christianize America. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. and so that would reflect the fact that we're trying to politicize religion. And that's highly being rejected. You know, but here's the thing. See, I, I, I'm not of the Christian nationalist sort that I'm, I'm describing. I, as a Christian, do believe that it is good that, that a Christian in office uses the Bible to make good laws and legislation. Okay. I affirm that, but that's not Christian nationalism. They want more. They do believe that the government should be involved in affairs of the church in order to make sure there's purity of doctrine, etc. So this is why the argument gets intense and some people would go well wait a second you sound like a christian nationalist because you want christians in office well yes we would prefer christians in office but that isn't necessarily christian nationalism so the distinction does need to be made which is why this conversation needs to be have thoughtfully with constantly asking the question what do you mean by that yeah because what's happening is that the other side has, saw, has seen this vulnerability and is tagging us with it which is stealing our ability to be a witness for Christ in, in the general sense of the form, because it's politicizing our belief system. Well, here, okay, so you've got the government, you've got the, you've got the church. Okay, if they're not supposed to be like overlapping each other, so what is the, you know, can we do anything with government or do we ignore it and disengage? No, we preach into that realm. And if individual Christians desire to go into that realm to help human flourishing, thumbs up. But Perry, that isn't what is being defined these days as Christian nationalism. It is a hot potato. Every local church should be having this conversation to figure out biblically where do we stand on the relationship between the two jurisdictional realms of church and state? Doesn't it go back to the basic argument, and if I can even use the term myth, separation of church and state? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does. And the, we have to remember the historical cons, context of that. In England, you had, for instance, Bloody Queen Mary murdering Protestants, starting with John Rogers and about 250 of the Marian martyrs. They, do you know that in Savannah, the founding fathers of Savannah wanted to outlaw Roman Catholicism? And you go, what? It's because they understood this vying for power, the church wanting to be an authority in the government realm. It typically didn't end well. So we did come up with this concept of separation of church and state. But... I don't lean on the founding fathers for my theology. We've got to go to the Bible and define this. So what happens to the simple gospel message if we get tied up in the argument of Christian nationalism? Well, if, if we want a mere Christian religion, where it's just a veneer of Christianity, and there are some calling for that because, hey, isn't that better than paganism ruling? Isn't that better than drag queen story hours? 
Yes, but that doesn't mean that the church now suddenly gets involved in the government affairs trying to have the state impose theology. It's so filled with problems. Where does the gospel go? These people now are deceived into thinking, well, I'm a part of a Christian nation. We saw that starting with Constantine 313 and then again in 393, where the nation, you are born into that realm. What is the religion of the ruler? That is your religion. And we had myriads of deceived people. Where does the gospel go? Who's theology? So Joe Biden is a Christian. Do we want his theology determining how the church runs? King Charles, he claims to be a Christian. Do we want him influencing the theology of your church? It is so fraught with problems. We really do need to sort this out and quickly and lovingly and patiently and definitely biblically. Okay, because that brings back something that's I'm watching, and I, quite frankly, Todd, I, I, I'm struggling with how to respond. It seems like we are spending a lot of time, we, Christians, are spending a lot of time trying to correct each other in our theology. <laughs> and the world's watching us. Yeah. Are you concerned about that? Um, to be honest, that is probably it's look it's challenging because as soon as you say we're fighting too much about theology you're automatically deemed a liberal i am most certainly not my theological convictions are deep and they are way to the right but that that doesn't mean that i i shouldn't be understanding that there are some there can actually be some people that i'm going to be spending eternity with in heaven that don't agree with everything i believe theologically now we need to understand essential secondary tertiary ongoing sin issues i get all of that but we are fighting over a lot of social issues the critical race theory about being woke and now about church state relations look i know that they all have th theological underpinnings to them but we got to be careful that we are not unnecessarily dividing because, Perry, we don't need Jesus prayed that we'd have unity because the Trinity is in unity. He wants us to be in unity. I get it. Theology matters. I really, really do get it. And we spend time teaching it. We spend time defending it. And we spend time polemically going after those who are false teachers. But we still need to recognize that Jesus wants unity. And if we have it in the essentials of the faith, then we're dealing with a brother and sister and we should really consider how we're talking about one another because you're right, the world is watching and they see an awful lot of acrimony these days. Yeah, that's beautifully said, Todd. That's probably one of the best things you said in a long time. Well, wait a second. It started <laughs> out like a compliment and then... <laughs> no, really. Uh, it, it, uh, <laughs> you know, I love you, bro. But the point is this. Um, uh, the, the the world is starving for truth. Yeah, I know. And Jesus said in John chapter 17, make them one as we are one. And I think we're struggling with that. And okay, here, okay. How much time do you have? You've got about Harry? three minutes. Three minutes. Okay, cool. I think I can do a three-point alliterated sermon. Let's give it a go. Here, here's one for you, for instance. Those of us who love theology and love to defend it, we're apologists, we love that. Hey, are, are we remembering that theology must have a point? Are, are we so caught up in just the, and it's important, doctrinal lines, I've got it. 
But do we remember that there needs to be a point to it? Just like there needs to be a point to expository preaching. I love verse by verse preaching, but if it's nothing but parsing Greek verbs, if it's nothing but giving me historical context and all kinds of minutiae detail, but it doesn't move me to experience and know the love of God in Christ Jesus, then we need to make some adjustments. Theology is important. What's the end of it? Expository preaching, it's important. What's the end to it? Why do we want to even debate theology? Because we want people to know God, love him more, experience his love more. And right now we have a tendency to be talking to each other way too much like cable news, acrimony fighting. If I don't get the one up, I got a slap on the card. I got to win on this argument. Otherwise people are going to think I'm a loser or I'm a liberal. Hold on. We can be conservative biblicists, but still be loving because we want to reflect the God who is love. So let's keep having the debates, but let's do them with unity and love and even some charity. It doesn't mean you're compromising. Frankly, it probably means you're maturing. Yeah. Uh, and you, the point you're making is, are we making a point? <laughs> are we are we fighting over the point? <laughs> all about it, but there's... So Okay, a General MacArthur, it is it is said that he was in his tent while the battle was raging down in the fields and the smoke and the cannons and everything is going off. And he was heard to have said, the fight, how I love it. And I wonder how many of us are like General MacArthur. We just love the fight. Let's contend earnestly for the faith, but with the same heart that Jude had. I'd rather be talking about the gospel. Okay, we'll defend the faith. But let's get back to the gospel. Yeah. That's that's the main thing. I think it's important we have theological discussions. I think it's important that we stick to a point. But I think also it's very important that we don't cloud the simplicity of the gospel. You know. And good to see you. How you doing? You doing okay? You okay now? You calm down? Never. Love <laughs> <laughs> you guys. You guys are great. Okay. Uh, go to wretched.org. Check it out. Are you doing anything new? I know we got all your TV programs. Do you do anything new, real quick? Transform couples. Biblical counseling for married couples with Dr. Lou Priolo. Okay. Check it out. Transform couples. Transform. And then, of course, Road Trip the Truth and Wretched TV. You see it all here on the Dove TV. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.